knowing how to play instruments, I think very commonly a lot of sort of these teenagers on their laptops will tell you, no, you don't have to learn an instrument. <laughs> you sound like a boomer, uh, Alex. I'll, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you. Say, I, already do, I already do with Alex. I kind of know where Alex is yeah. going. I, already, I, already <laughs> uh, I get the vibe. I'll tell you straight up now, learning how music works is going to help your compositions like you wouldn't believe. Hi, I'm Mark. And I'm Yaku. And welcome back to Department Spotlight. It's the show where we talk to our friends and colleagues about their experiences in the South African film industry. Today we will be talking about music composing and film scoring with two of our friends and colleagues who have a lot of experience scoring for various different film, TV, advertisements, a lot of different projects. Alex actually scored music for four out of our recent short films. So let's get into it. My name is Dustin. I'm originally from uh, Johannesburg. I'm a composer based in Cape Town and I work at Pressure Cooker Studios. What's up, guys? Uh, my name is Alex. I am a composer and I am a freelancer. So hit me up if you need any work done. So, Mark, do you want to kick us off with the questions? Yeah. So starting off right out the gate, how do you approach a script or project or whatever the project might be, what's, what's the first steps you take? Uh, for me, um, it's, it's all very um, uh, based on the director and your relationship with the director. But for me, it starts off with just uh, getting some sort of a, like, as close as possible to like a lock cut, looking through it, and then just getting the vibe from it. And then um, hearing their references. And then also like the best thing is to like sit down with the director and have like spotting sessions. And then just talk over specific cues and then just, try and see uh, what exactly they want, where they want the music to highlight certain scenes and all that. Um, yeah, and then from there, it's just about throwing sounds on the wall and seeing what works. So like, um, Journey for me, it's, it's a case of just doing a lot of like underscoring and then that helps me find like the palette for the, uh, for the score. And then from there, I build themes from there. So um, I like to find what instrumentation is gonna dictate um, the mood and the feeling of of, uh, of the general score and then from there on I can start finding like memorable like melodies and all that stuff so that's generally like my process cool cool yeah that's, a, that's pretty cool um I, I do things a little bit differently I, I try to find sort of a, a theme before I keep going with a, a specific depending on the kind of um sort of style that the director has taken on I think you like um a lot of the time with, with some of these uh, sort of, I want to say more corporate projects that you get on, um, there'll be someone who's already edited everything to some temp track already. And then it's kind of like, yeah, cool. Here's what we thought you would do. So do that. Um, and then, but then on the, on the other end of things, when you get to work with some other directors, it's kind of like, oh yeah, um, we totally forgot about music completely, like go nuts, you know? Um, and then, uh, I, I don't know, uh, when, when it's kind of that whole go nuts thing, I, I, I prefer focusing on themes of characters. Um, and then from there, sort of taking my theme and putting it through the different worlds of what's going on. Um, it's, it's cool that there's two different, ways to get to the same sort of point yeah i definitely actually didn't 
even think about that. But yeah, you're, you're actually definitely right. The the there's a corporate way where the temp tracks there, and actually um, it's less stress inducing when there actually is a temp track because then you can kind of get the BPM and the feel mm. like the tempo that they want. Um, sometimes um, I recently did a, a, a score uh, for a short, and it was so daunting because I just got an edit and a locked edit, which was fine, but it was just a blank slate, and you don't know like what's the what's the BPM, what's the feel of this of this uh, short, and it's only after talking to the director. But the the cool thing about talking to directors, you get a feel like uh, you you kind of feel more creative, creatively like liberated, but you're also like um, um, how to explain? You have to try to like manage expectations of like what they want essentially. Like that's kind of like, like, and I think having a temp track, you already have the expectation of what they're looking for. But then when it's blank, you're like, oh man, I don't know if they're gonna <laughs> like like the vibe mm. I'm going with. Yeah, so it's always that. Uh, like, uh, just, just like one more point with the temp track thing. Like, I I, I often uh, sort of get stressed out myself. It's like, oh no, they've done a temp track. Am <laughs> I gonna get anywhere close to that sort of? good or is it going to be better or am I just going to bomb and they're going to be like oh we're just going to go with the damn track instead you know yeah I've, I've been through that yeah I'm yeah every week. yeah there's always that stress <laughs> <laughs> so I relate to that I think for me it's like I always have to realize that the directors they have a different ear than to composers so for me I'm in the studio with other composers and they hear all the nuances directors kind of have I feel like from what I've learned in the from my past year of working in this production house is that directors have a much more uh, like sophisticated ear to music. So they're looking at music in relation to the cue. So they're actually just hearing, they don't really care about like the, the, the actual specifics. They want to see if it works to picture. And I find that if, it works, if you can sell it and make it work to picture, regardless if you're like, if your string programming is a little bit simpler, but if it works to picture, then I feel like it's golden. It still works for the, it still works for the cue. You know, like I think that's what I've learned essentially. I was actually, I was watching a, um, uh, it was a. It was also one of these kind of podcasts with Spitfire, Spitfire Audio. I am big Spitfire fan as well. Yeah, and uh, I can't remember who it was or, or who even brought it up, but they brought up the story of this one director, and uh, this director also happens to be sort of not not so much a composer, but good enough at composing or a, a musician of some sort. I can't remember the full story, but basically. The gist of all of it was: is this director wrote the mu- or, or did the score to his own film, and at the end of it, a lot of sort of composers looked at this the score and thought, "Oh, well, if I knew that that's what directors meant when they said this all along, I I would have not not put in so much effort ever." <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so then, so then, leading on to that, sorry, I'm going to steal your question, but yeah, it's cool. um, how do you manage a director who doesn't really know? music or how to like convey things i know alex knows um we worked with alex in a couple of our short forms recently and how do you navigate a score when the director is not really sure how to phrase things or talk about music because mm, i know also with with alex is yaku has some sort of musical theory background and i don't have any at all so i feel like we communicate with alex differently but it's still interpreted by Alex. I feel like a lot of composers are incredible like interpreters in terms of <laughs> taking in language and sort of transposing it into music. Yeah. It's like such an incredible talent. Ones, yeah, like the good ones are, I guess the good composers are the best interpreters. I guess that's what uh, the theme is. Yeah, I think for me it's like 
um, like the reference tracks are like your babies. I think like if you can get them reference tracks and then hear like so when when they say like a lift or a rise, you wanna if you can get a reference track that can that can convey what the intangibles and kind of help you like navigate what palettes to use. I think so. Yeah, but I feel like um, it's there's no golden rule with every with every client and director. It's just that's the that's like the nature of it. It's just and that's where the stress and fun comes at the same time. Just trying to decipher what they. Uh, uh, ideas of like like trying to convey all these intangible words into sound mm. that's like the, the biggest trick i think also just to add on to that it's um you you kind of having worked as a composer you kind of know already okay this is what this kind of scene needs needs to have and um you 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 know like there's maybe a couple different ways to look at this one scene um all you need is for your director to tell you one keyword um, which points in the direction that you need to go in. Um, and I think that's kind of, uh, at least I like to think that's where these really great people are really great at, like Hans mm. Zimmer. You could probably yeah. tell Hans Zimmer, like, purple, and then he'll be like, <laughs> yes, I've got you, I've got you, I've got the theme, yeah. I've got, like, a whole 30-minute theme written in my head. Yeah, you know? and that, like, yeah, and that's essentially just, like, that's just time. I think the goal is just, the more you compose, the better interpreter you become. I think that's kind of mm. like the, yeah. Because you hear that story with Interstellar, where um, Christopher Nolan just didn't want to give any reference. He was just like, "Let's make something new. I don't want it to sound like anything else." And then it's just like, figure it out. Um, so, and I mean, he obviously then the Interstellar soundtrack came out of that, and that thing is amazing. And he got like a but, one page outline, was it? Yeah, was yeah, of the film. It was just like go. <laughs> Yeah. Um, have you guys ever had something like that where the director's like, no, no, we're going to do this new thing? Or do you, do you prefer there being a reference or them being like, I want to do it on an organ or something like that? Well, I can, I can tell you from, from after, at least, that happens quite a lot. Um, it might be a student thing where it's like, oh, we're going to do this brand new thing um, that very few people have done before. And then it turns out everyone's done it already. <laughs> um, but then as soon as the students kind of realize, oh, that person's done it, then they're like, oh, there's no point in doing that anymore. So I, I, I've had quite a few people come up to me uh, with uh, or uh, used to have uh, when I was more at after where people come up to you with these ideas uh, of like, yo, let's, let's do this. And then uh, you, you tell them, Oh yeah, exactly. Like when that person did this on that, on that time in that film. And then they're like, Oh no, I'm not going to do that anymore. Um, I'm thinking of a very specific, um, one of my friends uh, wanted to do sort of, he, he was spitballing his, um, what do you call it? Uh, honors thesis thing oh, yeah. paper. Yeah. yeah. Um, where uh, he was basically coming up with all these different ideas. And every time he came up with an idea, I would start pointing him in directions of like, oh, yeah, this guy did that. That guy did that. This person might have written like a whole paper on that. And every time I did that, he kind of was like, oh, well, I thought that was an original idea and then scrapped the idea entirely. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going on a tangent. I mean, it's kind of like that thing of like the more you know, like like uh, there's some expression, I can't believe about it, but it's something about just like um, the more like the more you know, 
it maybe just uh, it uh, it changes your perception of what is or what the idea of like mm. originality is. Mm. So I mean, um, and I think just to hop on what you're saying, like um, like it all depends on like the like the intent of the project and like the director itself and your relationship mm. with the director. So I know my boss has a couple of relationships with directors, and with those directors, they always come to him because first of all, they know that he can do the job really well, but also they're friends. So they and they they came from they studied together as well. And then uh, they're able to experiment in that context. But then with other directors that he's just, it's more like, this is a client who have to impress a person. There is that, mm. there is that, um, that, that sense where you, you have to narrow in your, your, your creativity a bit, just mm. to like, you don't know the relationship yet. So I think the relationship with the director can kind of like, I, I think with like Hans Zimmer and uh, Christopher Nolan, like there's really a relationship there. So that's how they can like develop. That's why Christopher Nolan can maybe sometimes like, uh, like, be a bit more adventurous in terms of like how he wants to present the score, you know, or how he wants to talk about the score. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's, it's all about that relationship that that uh, that you form, and that uh, sometimes allows you to be more creative, or sometimes it, it means that you have to be a bit more, you have to do a bit more like trailer music vibes or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's a much better answer than mine. <laughs> oh, what are you talking about? <laughs> <I> just... <laughs> yeah, no, I mean it's. Your own was critic. You sound like you actually sound like a, a, a composer. Like your own was critic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Ah, uh, yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure all. I'm sure all of us. <laughs> uh, everyone in film is their own worst critic to some extent. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the more you you find out, the less, or the more you know that you don't know anything. The more you know, the less you know. Mm. That's that's what mm. I, yeah. I always feel. Alex, you mentioned film school there for a bit. Do you think it's worth going to film school? Um, uh, uh, Dustin, you didn't go to film school, did you? Or did did you? No, I didn't. No. So would you? So that's pretty interesting. I think this is the first time we have somebody who didn't and somebody who did. What do you guys think? Um, how, what's your experience been in the industry, going to film school versus not going to film school? I can I can say the the whole idea of going to film school. It's as far as it goes for developing your art, um, I think there's a, a specific... Uh, look, I didn't do every single major in the film school, so I, I can only speak from the sort yeah. of mu- musical yeah, side. Yeah, yeah, that's of what we want, yeah, yeah. Um, and and it's, it's a, as far as it goes, going to film school for music, I don't think is like the be-all and end-all for sort of your art um, as, as far as lear- learning and growing as a musician. Um, yes, you're going to learn like quite a few things like specific applications of music in film, but you could also have learned those things without having gone to the, the sort of film school. Um, mm. But where I think film school is the most beneficial is for anyone who is trying to get like a, a foot in the door, um, getting to meet all of your, your, your friends, like friends that you um, go and you study with, and then you go and do more things with them afterwards. Um, so sometimes if, you, if you're nerdy like me, you're lecturers, um, where my sound lecturer hired me to, to come and record him for some Foley, you know? So like at, um, it's beneficial in in terms of getting to know people, but um, it's it's uh, at the same time I'm trying to encourage people who want to do film, 
don't let not having gone to film school stop you. You know, um, it's not the be all and end all, um, but it's also it's beneficial if you are considering going. You know, so mm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's good advice. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree with Alex. Like in terms of um, like um, it's something I'm thinking about as well. Like maybe possibly going back to study in, in, in my later years. Um, but I like the idea of like having the sense of community and and and, um, and uh, having people that are in a similar age group as you and you guys are all in the, mm. experiencing the industry in a, in a very similar way. So for me, uh, that's something like I definitely agree with that. So I wouldn't just I wouldn't say you shouldn't go to um, film uh, school at all. Uh, for me, my um, my path was um, a bit uh, slightly unconventional. So essentially, I started off doing like uh, independent video game work. So. I would go on forums, I made a portfolio, and then I just contacted indie developers, and then a couple of projects uh, got me some small paying gigs, and then through that, I just kind of built a portfolio while I was still working. And then um, essentially, I just built this portfolio, and then my boss just, um, they, were go they were looking to go into indie um, games, and they had done uh, an indie title, um, and then they were just looking for people, um, like young composers and sound designers that could possibly be on the team to help them Exceed, uh, like build the side of like the business, and then I just happened to have a portfolio with a couple of titles on Steam, and then um, and then they liked it from there. But of course, like um, the films, I had no experience like film scoring or like working to film. I'd only had experience with music and then coding it into like a, a like a game. So then essentially it was just like a learning. Like, and then I guess they heard my portfolio and then they could hear that I can compose. But then it's just about making me just tailoring me to the company. So essentially just making sure that I can use the same software so I can like work with everyone else. And then also just learning how to like write cues and all that stuff. And then essentially it's um, um, my, my boss's philosophy is like it's baptism through fire. So essentially he would just give me clients and then, you know, just make it work. <laughs> so it's a lot of that. And then I think, I mean, it's a very, it's a very like crazy like way of like learning because there's a lot yeah. of anxiety that comes with it because you just like don't know if this is good enough. You're like, you're like, um, um, like you don't know if you're doing it right. And then it just like, Sometimes it comes to like the crazy like end of the week, and sometimes it's like, oh wow, I learned something through like just doing it. So I think uh, everything, my all my philosophy comes from like my bosses who are like they believe in the idea of like um, learning through just doing something. That that's kind of like their um, theory. But I hundred percent agree with the idea of like going to film school and then like bowling because that's something that I really want to do myself. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, that's very that's very cool. I mean, um, I think we've heard, we've talked to a lot of um, departments about film school and everybody sort of says a similar thing it's like you don't really need film school but to just have people that do the thing that you like to do and then after film school you can just go and do it with those people um that's a very big benefit mm. so yeah it's, it's so cool to hear this sort of thing every time because it like it's encouraging it there's it's not like you have to but it's also not like you shouldn't so it's very cool yeah, um, I think for me, I just got lucky. I think I just really got lucky, and then like I just happened to click with these guys. But I don't think it's like there was there's, the path is very. It's, I wouldn't advise it. I think <laughs> it's just like you never know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you don't know yeah. how it's end up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people consider prices for film school um, a lot because yeah. like film school. I mean, after is extravagantly expensive. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. And most film schools, I know Open Window is pretty expensive as well. So I think that's probably a main consideration for a lot of people. So it's like, so it's encouraging to hear that you can make it without film school. Mm. That's what I'm getting at. 
I wanted to ask, Dustin was speaking about making music for games and then getting into the production company. So one of the things we have here is what is the different considerations when it comes to score for film versus an advertisement versus a game versus corporate corporate versus sort of what, uh, how does the, the thinking change from project to project? Um, I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think. I know games, there's one thing that's the fundamental rule is that your composition should be able to loop in, indefinitely. And that's kind of like the main trick. So usually it's like um, the games that I usually work in is like iGaming. So it's mainly uh, like gambling games or games like that. And then essentially like the main crux is that the, the main themes be 90 seconds and it should loop. And then it should also, um, it should make space in the mix for sound effects. And then, um, so that's like the considerations that I, that I think about. And then other more like a narrative based games are more, um, the compositions are longer, but also they would like it to feel like an endless loop. So maybe the way it fades in, fades out should feel endless, but there's no like, it mustn't feel like I'm just constantly, it shouldn't constantly be going. And then I guess um, for ads, um, the the hardest ads I feel like um, are like the 30 second ones, because it's really hard to convey an idea in 30 seconds. Like the best, time for me for for ads is like a 45 second pitch because that's like you can kind of get a lot in there it's like an it's like an idea and then for um for like film um like i said it's it's it exists in a very much uh, subjective space like regardless if it's uh, corporate or um something that's more creative i feel like um you have a lot more room to you know build a, a sonic world i feel like i think that's probably like the main differentiating points is just like the length dictates how much you can maybe um, um, like expand musically. So uh, for instance, just like gaming, it's like uh, with the gambling games, there's not much space to really have depth. So you kind of like, if, if it's a theme, maybe it's like a like a, a theme that I've been recently doing, it's like a Maori theme, which is like the most, I've never written Maori Polynesian music before, but it's like, how do I convey that? So it's like, you have to have like something that can be like, oh, I'm in New Zealand or whatever. Whereas with like other, maybe if it was like a form body, you wouldn't necessarily have to rely on those like stereotypical like uh, instruments or like sounds to like convey that, you know, there's a lot more like depth to it. So mm -hmm. it's, just, it's just like the amount of depth that you can put into the project. I think that's what uh, differentiates it. Yeah, Alex, your experience? Well, just start with film. I guess film is more about like the, the, the story, you know? Um, is, your, is your music helping to tell the story of, sort of the whole narrative going on. Um, and also you mentioned in the, in the, the video game stuff that uh, it has to make space for um, sound effects, uh, whereas for film, your music always has to make space for the dialogue. Um, I, I guess that's kind of, I don't know, it's, uh, there's a lot to discuss when it, when it comes to how, how do you go about doing music for film. Um, and and the differences of film and sort of um, corporate kind of stuff. Um, I think corporate stuff leans more towards the let's be super energetic and happy, you know, um, where sometimes it's it gets really tricky because everything is down in the dumps and now you have to be like, hell yeah, let's do this, <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, I, I did a project literally as the 
sort of lockdown hit South Africa as well. And there was one little section where where they kind of said, yeah, can we just change that up? It sounds a little doom and gloom. Sounds like the guy that we're talking about is dead. And it's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean there. You know? <laughs> and it's a, it's a corporate video. It has to be like, you know like let's yeah. let's let's get excited about this company yeah. um i've never had the opportunity to do any video game stuff um it sounds really cool uh to 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 do that kind of stuff i think for me it's like i started off in video games and then um when i got into the company i i kind of got this love for form so i'm i'm leaning way more into scoring than i'm i'm moving away from the game so i found that like it's the beauty of like just getting an edit and then just putting sound to it is like so awesome. It's like the like the like the turnover for like you get you're able to put down ideas and then immediately see it work. With but the problem with games is that you send something over the wall and you wait a week and then you have to see it in a game and you're like you're like oh no you didn't implement it properly. You're like oh no this isn't working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so I think that for me that's what I love about uh, scoring to film. It's just like the the idea that you the like the immediate gratification of like you can write some music for a cue. Take a break, come back, anything watching, and be like, oh no, this this works, or oh no, this is terrible. What have I done? Yeah, so <laughs> that's why that's why I enjoy about it. So um, can we can we pivot from that to sort of uh, music theory? Um, do you guys did you guys do theory before you sort of started music um, professionally, or did you like just do it as you as you learned theory? You were like, I want to write my own stuff. How how was that? How's your relationship with theory? My relationship with theory is is it's decent. Um, uh, I I know enough. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I I kind of my sort of track record. I, I did music in high school where I got taught music theory. Um, I then went on to study at Wits. Uh, doing a B-must that I never really got around to finishing, um, where I did more music theory. Um, then while at after, um, kind of went on my own sort of tangent of learning theory on my own, you know, because um, after only goes up to uh, grade five with theory. Um, so musically, like there wasn't that much theory that I could learn. Uh, it was more in film theory that that I could learn there um, whereas with um, so basically it was beneficial for me because I got to go and sort of think oh, okay what 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 are the theories around doing music for horror for example and then really getting to go super deep into that where the curriculum would say okay today we're learning um, I don't even know like uh, we're, we're learning we're learning harmonic minor scales um i already had that foundational knowledge so it's uh okay cool we're supposed to learn that let's go learn this instead you know um it's interesting to find out up to what level after goes as well for people who are thinking about doing film specifically but then they already completed their like maybe they did their music degree their bmas completely and now they're like okay let's do film school so I think it's it's good information. But I think you you bring up another point about film school specifically. Like uh, I don't think you're ragging on film school because I think they go into, as you say, like 
what are the like the film conventions what's the film theory how does the film theory support the musical theory so i think there is still the benefit of going to film school oh yeah, yeah. if you um still have if you have that sort of musical foundation like you like you did yeah anyway uh dustin what's your <laughs> yeah i mean for me i think uh, um 100 i think um, like my my relationship with uh, theory is very like like a love-hate thing like it's really good because I mean I I play guitar so I'm able to translate the theory into guitars. I can really visualize it. Um, for me, like like my, my my perception of music theory has changed since I've been in the industry uh, through my company and um, like um, it, it 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 does help a lot when you're struggling with cues and you wanna like why is this cue not working? I understand the mechanics of it, but I think uh, the company that I work at we have a very much like a, an idea of just throwing ideas on the wall and then just seeing what sticks like building tones and building sounds from there and then finding like like the best uh, like um like ideas but i feel like a theory also helps because i work in a company with like 12 other composers so it kind of helps to like um to like talk to people like that that's where theory comes in the best so like explaining why the what are you trying to do or if someone needs to record over something you're doing explaining the key or saying what the key is and we can all pick up from there um in terms of like in relation to like film and in terms of like writing for cues, 100%, I think it, it'll definitely help like in terms of like, like what Alex was saying, like re referencing certain like modes or scales that can help you at least be the starting point to uh, like what the mood of this cue uh, would, would be. But um, yeah, in terms of like, I think uh, for me, um, I, I, I initially was thinking that I needed to get my, my, my theory game up and I still do. But I think just the idea of like time and the time constraints of like projects, you kind of like just end up wow, just making, wow. end up just working constantly. And then like um, through just learning experience, you kind of like know what works or what. So you know, like these palettes will work to make this mood that I'm trying to achieve, I think. So I think it's a, it's a combination of like, um, like music theory, but also what I've realized a lot of film and a lot of modern films was, it's about like knowing what palettes, what colors do you use, like what timbres do you use? Because I can almost, save you like you don't really have to write this corporation you can kind of just use these timbers and like it can kind of convey what the cue should be so it's like it's the uh, yeah it's like that type of like relationship i feel like yeah i think i think theory theory allows you to sort of cut down the amount of time that pro uh, the the sort of creative process would take um yeah if you're if you're ever in a pinch you can always rely on your theory to to pull you out of it so mm. Uh, someone who might not have the theory who is busy sort of trying to figure things out still might take three days to do a given cue. Whereas mm -hmm. someone yeah. who has all the theory would be able to do that same cue in half an hour to an hour, you know, um, yeah. depending on the size of the cue. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Definitely agree with that. Yeah. I think it's like it's a combination of, of that and then just time. Like if you write enough romantic cues you're able to knock out a romantic cue in half an hour you know it's like it's yeah. like that as well yeah so i definitely agree with alex awesome awesome i want to ask um do you guys um play a lot of instruments uh do you play i mean i think uh you just said you play guitar dustin and alex uh, i know plays piano do you guys know any other instruments or is it necessary to know a lot of instruments intimately like playing them or can you sort of just with the new technology and the midi sounds figure out the score um on the computer so <laughs> um I, I i'm jumping straight into this one 
knowing how to play instruments, I think very commonly a lot of sort of these teenagers on their laptops will tell you, no, you don't have to learn an instrument. You sound like a boomer, but, uh, Alex. I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you. Say, I, already agree, I already agree with Alex. I kind of know where Alex is yeah. going. I already agree with him. <laughs> I'll, I'll, vibe. I'll tell you straight up now, learning how music works is going to help your compositions like you wouldn't believe. Even if you can sit there and just click in the notes, knowing how to learn how to play the piano is going to help you with actually getting your notes in and making them feel more sort of realistic when they come across to the listener because now you've got human errors in time um and then as far as it goes with learning a bunch of different instruments i don't think it's necessary to learn how to play every single instrument well um but it's it's important to understand the boundaries of each instrument for orchestration so um I've dabbled in a couple of things. Um, piano is my main thing. I, I did piano in my music studies. Um, but I can also do some very basic guitar playing, some very basic drumming, some very basic um, harmonica stuff, you know, like a bunch of different things uh, at a very basic level just so I could get to know how the instrument works. Um so that when I do actually compose for that instrument, I, I'll understand what is the lowest note that this instrument can go to, what is the highest note, what is what 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 do the notes sound like at this register? What do they sound like at that register? You know, so it's it's important getting to know instruments and understanding what they are, um, and then as far as sort of musicality goes master at least one instrument go go and actually properly learn how to play at least one instrument um because that'll help your musicality like crazy um yeah definitely good alex i mean i feel like that's what kind of differentiates like the like composers like being able to you can kind of write a piece of music but all the subtleties like in like uh the way a string swells or, or like the um like like the velocity and, and all those little nuances that give it realism is kind of what's going to set you apart, your compositions. And it's kind of like, the, the thing is that it's like, it's, um, it's not necessarily like the notes, it's the way the notes are being presented. And sometimes you're like, why does his compositions sound so, like, why does it feel so much different? It's like, it's the way he uh, modulates and, and, and uses like the dynamics of these instruments to like, um, to convey those notes. And that just comes from, knowing what it sounds like so knowing what a violin sounds like you would know how to program a violin you know what i mean mm -hmm. and knowing how like like the like the like the limitations of the violin or the lack thereof sometimes you know so 100 agree with alex like i think mm. definitely like um mastering at least one instrument and then once you listen to music so that you have this bank of references of like mm. what um these instruments sound like in the context of a of a hybrid score or like an, or like a, a more like classic like modernist composition you know so that's um yeah, I definitely agree with that. It reminds me of, um, I was watching this video recently about, uh, what's his name? I think it's Ludwig Göransson. Oh, yeah, he did Black Panther. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, um, The Mandalorian. And, and he's also mm -hmm. the uh, Childish Gambino's yeah. yes, 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 composer. Yes. And mm, yeah. it was a video about him creating the score for yeah The Mandalorian. And sitting in his studio, he just has sort of all of these like sort of random instruments mm. that maybe he wouldn't even use for like an entire yeah. film or something but 
he said that he was trying to figure out and was thinking about this goal for the Mandalorian and then he was sitting with like these like big recorders, recorders that he's got and dude. just like sitting and just like musing around and then he just like played that theme and then he was like oh totally yeah. that's what it is so I think that that's really that's really cool I think it it's a different kind of consideration and more sort of maybe a more like organic one versus sort of clicking on files on a computer mm-hmm. versus like picking this up and being like maybe this maybe that maybe that mm-hmm. as Dustin was saying having like a sort of library of um, sounds and music that you know but also just being able to have the fundamentals of an instrument even if you're not like the best at it to just like pick it up and maybe see what that sounds like yeah I think is a more organic process yeah and also something to be said about him is I mean I, I'm sure like most people in the world just play recorder in like grade one or two music class and it always sounds horrible and you don't think of a recorder as like something that can be used to make like something beautiful even and then you listen to the mandalorian score and it's like the reason it works so well and it sounds so unique is that exact reason people don't expect the recorder to be um to be able to make those sounds i'm gonna say here is you should go check out some recorder quartets just do it (laughs) do it <laughs> send us a couple of links we'll put those in the description but yeah no like a recorder actually in the hands of somebody who can think out of the outside of the box and who knows his craft is any instrument can sound amazing mm. i definitely agree with that i mean it's, it's also me like hearing the mandalorian score you didn't actually realize like what was that sound you're like what is that you know what i mean it's like it's like you wouldn't even think to uh, there was a recorder like um so yeah it's just like like um, what Mark was saying, just having instruments can so essentially like you can write it like a score, but then you need to find that one thing that makes it like unique or whatever, whatever you know. Like, and mm-hmm. I think having live instruments and being able to maybe pluck them can can really like give your score some like life and that organic life that sometimes mm-hmm. like uh, it lacks in modern scores, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you guys had the opportunity to have something that you've written be performed and recorded by like? real people you know what i mean not just on the computer i definitely have um i i was very lucky when i was at after i managed to uh, i don't know if i was lucky or just very good at conning people (laughs) i managed to convince uh three of my my crews at after to get together um a bit of a, a budget towards hiring some musicians for i think it was a two hour slot um just to record a string quartet for for our um graduation films and then sort of layering that in with all the other kind of um instruments that i played in myself on my keyboard um it, but it was definitely it was a very cool feeling to to stand there and hear your music being played out live um i remember when I first heard them while they were busy warming up in the studio, um, I had literally spent the last three days working on this music and I didn't recognize it at all. I just kind of, I was watching them and listening to what they were playing and I was like, oh, that sounds pretty cool. I wonder what song that is. (laughs) And then um, what's it? I I was actually chatting to Sean and I think Sean even said, yeah, it it could be like some Beethoven or Mozart or something because they are from, uh, from the Johannesburg um, 
I think it was symphonic wow. orchestra. And um, after like a couple of seconds, it clicked. It's like, oh, that's my music. <laughs> Sean just compared my music to Mozart's <laughs> <and> Beethoven. <laughs> so I was just like, uh, dope. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, I would have made the same mistake regardless of whose music that was. So it was really cool. Um, they were really good players as well. Um, and then apart from that, uh, I think there, there've been times where I've been lucky and I've been able to put in like a real piano into scores, being a pianist, being able to record the piano is a, it's, it's, it's a cool thing to do, but for me, sometimes it's not always possible. Um, microphones need to be around and, um, mm. an in-tune piano <laughs> is, is also a necessary thing. Um, and then also, uh, I think smaller things like guitarists, I always, I, I try to either do it myself or source someone to do it for me. Um, bassists, uh, whoever I got for guitar, if they have a bass, let them come and bring their bass guitar. Um, it's, so it's basically like uh, when it comes to these smaller things where it's, uh, so I want to say more common instruments like pianos, guitars, basses. Um, it's it's easy to kind of source those kinds of musicians um, if if you're in the right circles, you know. So sourcing those musicians is always going to be a beneficial thing. Um, just when there's a budget involved, sometimes it's it's not so so practical because um, then they want to a cut of the money and at the end of the day you're only getting paid 50 bucks for the petrol that <laughs> takes you to get to meetings um so yeah um for me yeah that's the dream for me no i actually haven't had anyone play um like any score i've written um yeah but I, I have uh, through like advertising um i have had people play over, over like my pitches and stuff like that. i think um like in the ad space uh um we find that like that's like sometimes like the um I think that can like beat you against all that. That can be like the, the thing that sets you apart from your like competitors when you're pitching against with, with like other, other agencies. Um, like I, I remember at the beginning of the year, I did a pitch um, for an ad and then um, we, we, had, we got like a live sax player to come and like play like uh, like saxophones, like just, just to like sell the hook that I was trying to like, that I was, that I was programming a bit better. And then um, um, I know like we've also done like, uh, where we get like violinists in and then, uh, the thing that we love to do with violinists is make them play like the I don't know what what it was called, but they're like shimmer on the actual like violins to make these really cool eerie like sounds. So I was I, I was writing a cue for uh, 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 for a film, but it was like a tension cue, and then we needed like these like violin shimmers. So we got like violins to come and play like these like um, these um, like percussive elements of the violin, and then we would just use that. We would put it on on our, on our company server, and then. Ian can grab it and we just like process it and make like cool sounds of it. Yeah. So that's kind of more like the sound design aspect of it, I guess. Sometimes when we like when we like uh, record like uh, musicians, but um, yeah, I haven't I haven't had anyone playing score at Britain. Yeah, mm. that's the dream one day. <laughs> you you said something I think very crucial with uh, which is like setting yourself apart, and which is what I think Alex did when he. I don't think I don't think that you conned people into <laughs> wanting to get a string quartet. It was this thing of you wanted to do this thing that you feel that 
you should get the experience doing and um, it didn't fit in with like the way the post schedule worked and um, which was like a ridiculous thing because everyone was saying like oh the schedule the schedule but we were saying like no but this is an this is an important (laughs) thing why we shift we shift we must shift the schedule for this not the Mm. other way around because Alex should get need the op- should get the opportunity to record with like a string quartet and it should become like a staple you know and I don't think it was something that had been had been done um all the lecturers were sort of like losing their minds around the schedule but it it came together and we got it done let's move on to uh to software uh software and maybe then hardware um we were just talking about you know, recording real instruments and stuff. But when you guys are or don't have that, or when you are playing around, what is your software of choice and why? Hmm. Do you have like an hour? You've <laughs> <laughs> got ten minutes. Go. <laughs> software of choice for me has to be um, Cubase. Like I think Cubase is quite a quite a stable when it comes to producing music for a picture. Um, some of the some of my favorite artists use Cubase, so I, of course I want to be close to those guys and feel like I'm having the same experience as them, even though I'm much much lower down on the scales. Um, I, I get to at least imagine that I'm them while while doing my thing using Cubase. Um, the 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 fanboy side is something part aside. Uh, Cubase is actually pretty good. Um, for for all of this and i've i've used several different um uh, daws um i've used uh studio one uh, by presonus i've used ableton i've used pro tools um i've used fruity loops uh, very very briefly but i've used it um and i i don't know it's something about cubase is just sort of it was a bit of a, a change to get into it but once I got into it, I don't actually see myself going into any other DAWs. Um, for those of you who may not know, DAW stands for Digital Audio Workstation. And then um, as far as other software goes, uh, having sort of your, your own virtual instruments and in your libraries are also very sort of um, necessary. <laughs> um and then it, I think at this point to to go and list all of them, kind of like I, I could do that, but that's just going to waste time. I'm just going to mention uh, by Spitfire Audio, which I've mentioned earlier on. There's uh, sort of a, a line of free things that they offer called Labs. Um, anyone who is getting into production music has to go check out Labs by Spitfire Audio. Brilliant stuff, and it's free. Like, do it. <laughs> uh, Alex, can I ask a question? Uh, what's your favorite Spitfire library, like, of the selection? Like, Albion 1 or... Uh, um, things, of, like, 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 if any, like, ones you like? I, I actually like quite a, quite a lot of them. Um, I, I recently bought BBC Symphony Orchestra. Um, How is that? I've seen it. Is that awesome? It's... It's really cool. I bought the core version, um, okay. the, 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 the one that's like in the middle. Um, 
because I don't have like 18,000 rands to spend <laughs> on, a, on a sample library. Um, yeah. But uh, I bought the core version and the core version is basically um, the most popular, I, I could be misrepresenting this, but I, I think it's um, the most popular mix of all the microphones used to take the recordings. Um, but it's a mix by Jake Jackson who mixes all their other plugins already anyway. So uh, I, it's really cool. It sounds really good. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, yeah, I'm pretty much on, like in the same space as Alex. Um, I've only been using Cubase for like a year now. And yeah, I love it. I mean, I think um, uh, for composing to, to picture, I think it's amazing. And then for me, my other DAW is Ableton. I use Ableton a lot to get like for more sound design uh, aspects and also um, um, just like... Uh, making stuff in, in my personal capacity, I tend to just use Ableton. And I also, I work with people that use Ableton. So when I work with those, on those projects, I would just easiest to share sessions on Ableton. And I think uh, the thing that Ableton really has that I love a lot is its sampling ability. It has it does a lot of like granular synthesis that like how it can help you generate some really cool sounds. Especially when you want to like sample stuff and then like micro chop it up and then make synths from it. Like it's 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 not the fact that it can do it. It's the fact that it takes like three minutes just to do it, or like maybe less than three minutes to like drop in a sample and chop it up and then you immediately have an instrument from it. So I think that's like, it's, it's great. It's creativity, uh, like, uh, possibilities is kind of why I lean towards, but in terms of like writing cues and writing school, I would not recommend Ableton at all. It's, it's not really good to work with picture. I think Cubase is literally like the, the, the workflow, everything is just, it's, it's like a dream. It's, it's nuts. It's, it's kind of insane how they've managed to like, uh, like it visually, it just looks appealing. Like when you want to work to picture it's like, and like, uh, like the the way it lays out like the mix like the mixer and like the way it all like interacts with each other it's it's, it's really awesome and then um in terms of libraries yeah i agree with alex the spitfire is really good and then um um for me as well uh audio emporia does really good stuff I, I have a lot of their libraries as well and they do really cool like um more modern score stuff so a lot of like hybrid school stuff where you'll have like it'll be like a string sample that's like slightly processed or something like that. It's, it's, it's kind of cool just to like have these, um, these like um, altered versions of like organic instruments, just like at your, at your fingertips, I think. So yeah, I think um, those are like my two. I, I, I just want to like strongly agree with this because Ableton is fantastic at anything sound designy. Um, mm. If you need to design a specific sound, I don't think I've used anything better than sort of Ableton's mm. sort of process of actually even doing that. Mm. Um, yeah, I've got an Ableton push over here as well oh, uh, nice. on the on the hardware side of things. So I've used Ableton, I've, uh, uh, but I, I still kind of prefer Cubase. I just wish that this worked in in Cubase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I know that I know that Cubase is taking a lot from Ableton. So they are taking like like I know the sampler looks very and the drum rack is very similar mm. to Ableton's. But the, the only thing is like just setting up the macros. That's what I love about Ableton is the fact you can take one pad, set a bunch of macros, and then copy mm. it to all the pads, and then you have everything's there. So you don't have to like it's like the admin of it is like what helps a lot. Being able to like set parameters and then tell everything else that this is the parameters of that whatever you know. So I think. It's, just a, it's like a workflow thing, I think. But I think Cubase will get there. But I think, um, yeah, I don't see myself changing from Cubase anytime soon. It's so awesome. <laughs> mm. Okay, so um, can I ask, uh, 
with these programs, right? What is your sort of workflow, your process when you start writing? Do you, you start with just a melody? Do you just choose an instrument and you just go? Or do you start on your like physical instrument first, then you record it? Um, what is your workflow using the software um, and then adding and adding and iterating and iterating and then until final delivery? I think uh, for me, sometimes I'll, I'll literally sit with the picture uh, and this is sometimes after I spot it. So sometimes I do my own personal spying where Ableton has this thing where you can put markers um, and then just uh, like on the actual timeline and then I'll put markers there and then just to tell me what these, um, like what, what I should be hitting or, or, or whatever. And then basically sometimes what I do is very like basic, but I'll stand, I'll just sit with my guitar and just play along and just try to find like a groove or something. And then from there, I map out like the BPM of that groove and then I adjust the markers depending on what the BPM is. Because I do a, 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 something that's not really advised, but I do a, a lot of tempo changing in, uh, in, in uh, when I do like long form, like narrative pieces, uh, which is like, um, so I try to treat, treat every cue like its own like thing rather than having one BPM and then writing it in that, in that space. So, um, um, so having, having the ability just to sit with the guitar and then just stare at the picture and then just find like a melody that fits with like a certain amount of cues helps a lot. And then from there, it's just, um, from there, it's just a lot of, for my part, I mean, uh, it's, it's a lot of um, experimentation and then um, just trying to find what arrangement works best with what, with, with what, uh, with what uh, the cue needs, I guess. How, how great is that, um, the, the, the sort tempo stretching in Cubase? Like, I, I can't tell you yeah. how many times that's actually saved me from something. Like, you write something, you you thought, yeah, I, I got the BPM for this, this scene totally. Like, I've got this. Then you go and you write it, and then you get to the end of your queue, and you're like, I missed it. How did I miss it? <laughs> then you, you, you remember, oh, yeah, I've got this function where I can just sort of slide things around and put them in place. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, nice. Yeah. Dude, 100%. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Alex, what's your process? I think the process has to be kind of like, it's different for each production to, to an extent. Um, like we said earlier, if you're getting a corporate thing where they've already uh, got all of the sort of backing tracks and everything or, or uh, temp tracks in, in, in the video already, then you're kind of like, okay, cool. What is the thing that sticks out the most to me in the in this temp track, and how can I kind of take that main idea and turn it into my own um, instrumentation? Wise, I use I tend to go to a more piano kind of sound just because I'm a pianist. Uh, I'm comfortable with the sound of the piano, um, but I, I will say since I've started working with like more of a mapped out. Um, uh, template for for my my work um uh, i do tend to think okay cool i've got this melody in in mind maybe it'll sound cool on this instrument and because i've got my template i can just jump to that instrument straight away try it out if i don't like it well i can change the instrument quite easily with my template um i'm, I'm actually using um there's a, a template that uh, Spitfire Audio released with um, sort of their, their BBC symphony stuff. And that uh, uh, I can't remember the guy who did it for Cubase. I think his name was Alex Watson. 
um, really, really good template. Uh, if, if you've never seen a template, it does take some time to kind of figure out what's going on. Um, but, uh, like it took me a decent amount of time, admittedly to kind of figure out what was going on, but having that template and then sort of incorporating the rest of my libraries into that template has sped up sort of pro my process of selecting instruments and, and getting through everything a lot faster. Um, yeah. And then, uh, there's also like, uh, if, if you, if your piece is going to be more of an atmospheric piece, um, then I might not go straight to a piano sound. I might go more to something kind of like, um, ambient, some, something synth, synthy, synth wavy, you know, um, and then just getting, using that to find inspiration to sort of fill in the rest of the, the textures that might be needed for the music. Cool. Cool. Do you have another question? Favorite, uh, favorite composers or scores or something that stood out to you, role models, a score that made you want to write scores, that type of vibe? <laughs> All of them. All of Every them. score. Every single yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. Um, I, I think there's there's something in every score that you can you can sort of learn from. So all of them. But um, to take the question a little bit more seriously, uh, <laughs> I, I think sort of favorite composers. Um, I, I tend to sort of favor uh, or, or lend my ear a little bit more towards uh, sort of John Powell's music. Um, I really like the whole Pixar vibe. Um, uh, it's quite busy as well and I think uh, I, it's like beautifully busy um, with a, a lot of the music that he does um, John Powell um, and Junkie XL I suppose uh, also some really cool stuff uh, very 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 synthy um, and I think he's fantastic for anyone who, who wants to sort of uh, get to know more of the synth side of music from a classical perspective um because he's also got like a man's a genius that's that's all i need to say <laughs> it's, yeah, like a lot of hybrid scores like he's, he's the best of his massive hybrid scores yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah i think uh yeah for me um like um i've been getting into a lot of this guy called john obstad He's a British composer. Uh, he's, he's relatively young, but he did a, a couple of episodes of the show called Black Mirror. I really love. He mm. did this episode called White Bay, and I really loved his process. He's like completely synthesized, but it's all hardware. So there's no VSTs. So it's just him dialing in the tones. So mm. he'll create a pulse with using like a, like, like I think, I think he uses one of these like profit uh, synthesizers and he just dials in like the textures that he wants. I thought that was really amazing. And, he has like um, on his Twitter account, he, he like shows his Pro Tools sessions uh, or his Logic sessions, and he shows you like different cues for all these shows that he's working on. It's, it's so fascinating to see like like the limitations he sets. He intentionally sets these limitations for himself because he studied like uh, he's a classically trained like composer, but he sets these like weird li like limitations on himself to write these cues. And um, it's like uh, I've learned so much from him, like like in terms of what you can do with like making your palette just a little bit more smaller and like stretching your own, your own creativity. And then I think uh, like my like my mouse like my favorite composer is 
There's a guy called the Raichi Sakamoto. He did um, The Revenant recently with the, that's his, this is a recent score, but he's a Japanese composer. And like his career trajectory is like, is like one that I aspire to because he started off in the same, and he's doing like synth, like synth pop music with this band called the Animated Orchestra. And then he did like in the 80s, he did like a whole bunch of like, like uh, crazy, like classical compositions. And he did a lot of new age music. And then he, now he does like, he's like 70 years old now. And now he does like scores. He like does like a bunch of scores, but then he also does um, um, like music based on like, he does this thing called environmental music, which is like music based on like nature. So like sampling nature and stuff like that to like make weird, like Zalant. Like, like I, I love his trajectory because it's kind of like, he's like falling into madness as he gets older, I guess. <laughs> like that's like the, the beauty of it. <laughs> Yeah, those are like the two composers, I guess, that uh, awesome. uh, really, really like uh, enjoy like modern and old, I guess. One, one more question. Um, what do you, how do you guys feel about stock music? Have you ever written stock music? Um, what is sort of your idea around stock music and all these websites that are now popping up, um, allowing people to for the YouTube channels or even for some use it for films, you know what I mean? What is your, what is, what, what do you guys think about stock music and this whole industry that's popping up? Mm, I personally, am not a huge fan of the stock music because uh, it's, it kind of takes away from, from sort of people going to musicians and saying, Hey, I need this thing done. Can we get this thing done? Um, but at the same time, like it, it would be cool to to be able to make money sort of passively like that, you know. Um, I know um, we've brought up Spitfire Audio quite a lot in this, so bring it up once again. Uh, Christian Hansen with Spitfire uh, makes a lot of uh, a lot of money with his library music because he's been doing it for so long. Um, and as far as the whole career in library music goes um, pretty much everywhere that I've sort of done my research on at least um, has kind of said, yeah, so well, for the first three years, you, you, you're not going to get paid. Um, and then sort of, if you keep at it, eventually it builds up and then eventually you start getting paid some money for it. Um, and it becomes somewhat of a passive income, I, I believe. Um, but you, you have to keep at it. Um, so it's as, as far as sort of the library scene goes, um, I've considered doing some of it myself. Um, I actually, I had an interview with someone where they're part of a South African-based music library and their minimum requirements were 200 songs. And Jeez. for someone who hadn't been thinking of doing library music the 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 thought of submitting 200 songs um in like within a month even is a little like yeah that's a lot of music <laughs> <laughs> so yeah I, I think uh i'll probably um work on that a little bit over time but i don't think library music would be my sort of number one let's go do this kind of thing you know Okay. Yeah, I think with, like Alex said, it probably looks well with like temp music. I mean, yeah, it's just one of those things that I guess composers have to like, this is like a challenge to the industry. I think we just have to take it like either we can 
like like Alex was saying, either we can try and like adapt with it, so like maybe try and create library music, or or we can just reject it. I mean, it's just it's just another obstacle that just comes in the way. I mean, mm. um, and I feel like library music serves its purpose. Like if you have a, a like an ad with a turnaround, or like a turnaround day of like of like two days, like sometimes um, like a library music option along with an original composition can like it can work with the budget, but also it can like just give you like another option. And then I think um, for me. Um, like in, in the ad space, we uh, in the company that I work with, we do um, a lot of our fail pitches become library music. So we'll spend some time just um, your 40 second ad that failed, make it into two minutes and we'll slap them in the library. And then we have contacts where um, we're on like a bunch of forums where people will be looking for certain cues. And then our project manager will just go through our server and be like, oh, here's some failed pitches. And then we'll just, we sometimes name the, like the vibe of it and then we'll just throw it out and see if it can make money. So there, there is a way Sometimes there is a way to make money passively that doesn't mean you have to intentionally make stock music, hmm. um, which is like through cues that don't work for things like things that you think aren't going to work. Sometimes I think the best bet will be to just develop it, get it to the best place possible and then save it on your server. And you never know when you could actually be, uh, when it could come in use, you know, or when you can pitch it for something. So I think, yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a very tricky question. Cause I mean, it's, um, it's, um, it's something I've also looked into like myself. Um, but I, I, re I do realize that there, there's an element of churning. You have to kind of be able to churn music out very really fast and at a certain quality. I think I think, I think that's that's something that, that like comes with time. So um, yeah, I know it's a it's a very interesting question. I think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, from our side, we've we've used stock music. We've used um, music that Alex has composed for us, and it's just always so much better when there's somebody making music for the project, you know what I mean? Like, yes, you can find some really good stuff. <laughs> you can find some really good stuff on these websites. Like we use Artlist quite often um, and it's, there's some great stuff in there, but then when you compare it to things that have been written specifically for the project, you know, it's just, yeah, just uncomparable. It's always, like, it's always like close to what you want. Yeah. It's like you, you, you search and you search to get as close as you can be, but you're never gonna get on the money. The only way you can get exactly that is by getting someone who's directly composing to the actual picture mm. i mean mm -hmm. just yeah yeah uh, yeah i guess it, it, it like probably reflects more in your guys yeah you guys have you guys probably have a very nuanced ear so you guys can and you guys can feel when, it, when music feels like a stock music you know so, so sometimes you probably have directors or people that just like they don't they can't hear the difference between a stock music and a and a uh, and a, like originally composed like piece you know so mm -hmm. I think it speaks more to you guys like you guys have kind of like you guys have appreciation for scores which benefits people like Alex and I uh, in <laughs> terms of like uh, getting gigs and stuff I guess but I think most directors do like I mean the best directors or the ones that despise me the best at least like have appreciation for actual music so I think original music will always as long as there's people with integrity there always be people using using uh, like original music but like I said. Stock music, it's like, it serves its purpose. And if, if you have a turnover date, if you want, that's like a really short stock music works perfectly, I think, yeah. Awesome. I think it's also, um, as far as the whole stock music thing goes, if you spend enough time watching YouTube videos, I think you'll have heard enough stock music to recognize <laughs> yeah. quite a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think especially I'll watch some YouTuber who's used sort of this song as their theme song and then their theme song was stock music so then you'll watch another completely unrelated sort of video where it's using that song as a theme going on in the 
in the video itself. Uh, mm, yeah, uh, trying to think I've, of a. I've had that. It's always so weird. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> trying to trying to think of yeah, a good had... example. Let's say like someone who who who's doing um, I don't know reviews on on music equipment has yeah. the song as their theme song, and then you go to the next video where it's about a dude repairing a boat, <laughs> and it's using the same song. Uh, in terms of boat repairs, so yeah. you, it kind of muddles things up, at least in my head. A little yeah, bit. yeah, we've had <laughs> we've, well, we've had two experiences. You can talk about the one that I think you can talk about, but the one that I recently um, noticed is that we use this song for bloopers on one of the films, and now Film Riot is using that same song, but like for serious type videos, and I'm like. This makes no sense in my mind because in my mind that's a blooper song, but now it's a serious song. Yeah. So and it works in both contexts. Like neither is like wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just weird how the context of the actual thing changes the song itself. And also, <laughs> a thing that happened with me recently is um, we used the stock music for one of our shorts, Big Sip, um, and. I was scrolling down Instagram and then there was like some random like whiskey ad that had the exact same score. And then yesterday I was on, I was watching Filmmaker IQ videos, a YouTuber that we really like. And he's just using the song like as his like intro as well. And it makes me like, like the score used in the film less, not because... It's not because song. not because it's a bad song and I really love those YouTubers and the song really works in their YouTube video but like if it's it had, special, if, yeah. if it had been composed it it would have been the score for Big Sip <laughs> yeah um, now it's just yeah. now it's just now it's just oh it's that that song on Artlist which I love Artlist I use it all the time but <clears throat> I think yeah. that's another big pro for uh, for getting a composer is that that that's the score for that film. It makes yeah. it a thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kinda like imagine getting stock scripts, you know? Story. <laughs> True. True. And then you just see people making the same film over and over again. That's yeah. Yeah. That's a good comparison. Okay, um I think we've been we've been going for quite a while, so let's wrap it up. Um so let's wrap it up with what are some inspiring or just some words that you would have said to yourself before embarking on this career? Yeah, I, I feel like for me, uh, the thing that helped me a lot was, was um, I don't know if this sounds bad to say, but like turning it into some sort of like a blue collar job. So like putting in the work, I feel like. So, so sometimes like there's this, this, this an artistic side to composition, which is awesome. But I feel like the thing that helped me a lot was just not thinking about making music all the time, just making music all the time. I think that's the best advice. Just make music every day and like, uh, like make music at 110% and then be willing to scrap it and then do it again the next week. You know what I mean? I think that's, that's, um, that's probably like the, like the best advice I can probably give. Yeah. I think for, for me, it would be a, a similar thing. Just keep practicing. Everything you do in music uh, needs to be practiced. Uh, composing needs to be practiced playing instruments needs to be practiced so the knowledge that you sort of have for music also needs to be practiced um, and do it in little steps you know you don't have to sit there for um, 
like uh, an unbelievable amount of time every single day um, mm. because that's going to discourage you from doing it. Just tell yourself five minutes a day and who knows in the next couple of weeks, those five minutes a day might just become 10 minutes. Then 10 minutes becomes an hour. Then an hour becomes two hours. And before you know it, you don't even have to think about practicing anymore. It just happens. Awesome. That's very cool. Um, cool. So thanks so much for joining us. That conversation was brilliant. So many. Thank you for all of your, all of your insights. Um, and yeah. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. So thank you so much for listening to this podcast focusing on music composing and film scoring. If you'd like to watch our short films or any of our other content, maybe consider going over to youtube.com slash loopedpictures or our website loopedpictures.com. So until next time, go out there, stay safe and make, make your, your movie. movie.